Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to deal with the rising cost of inflation to pay off your debt or your mortgage, pretty much anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Well, with Yahoo Finance, you can get access to the news, data, and tools that you need in order to help you reach that financial freedom. And when it comes to your financial future, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, you've invested all that you can. And now you need to take those investments to the next level by using what every financial great uses. Yahoo Finance. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about, in your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. So your weekly grocery run can feel even more productive, and that morning coffee can taste like a little victory. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities to get lower rates on loans. Like for a new ride or finally having a home to call your own. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime Secured Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FTIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details. The Peter Schiff Show. The stock market continues to ride the Trump wave to new highs. In fact, the Russell 2000 hit an all-time record high today. And the enthusiasm for stocks not being dampened by the carnage in the bond market. We now have the yield on the 10-year Treasury up at around almost 2.3. And the yield on the 30-year now just below 3%, 2.99. Yields are still low, but nowhere near as low as they were And, of course, nowhere near as low as they're headed because it's not just the fact that bond yields are rising, but the rapidity with which they're rising and the technical damage that is being done. This, again, as I said earlier, podcast, this could be the beginning of an explosive move up in interest rates. And right now, nobody seems to care, least of all Janet Yellen. She testified today. In fact, Janet Yellen's supposedly hawkish testimony is one of the reasons that gold sold off today and the dollar rallied because before she spoke, uh, gold was actually a little bit positive on the day and the dollar was, I think, a little bit a little bit down, but it was supposedly her hawkishness with respect to rate hikes. No, she did say that it would likely be appropriate to raise rates soon and everybody interprets soon as meaning the next chance they get, which is a, less than a month from now. Although, if the Fed really is determined to raise interest rates in December, why not just say it? Why say it may be appropriate to raise them soon? Just say it's appropriate to raise them in December. I mean, be more specific. They still want to leave themselves plenty of wiggle room. So even though the markets are saying it's a 95% probability, the Fed is still being very coy and being data dependent. 
But I think what's more important for the markets is the fact that Janet Yellen acknowledged that if we get a fiscal stimulus, which she doesn't even think is needed, she pointed out that we have a growing economy, everything is good, that the unemployment rate is very low, and that stimulus now in the form of tax cuts or extra government spending could overheat the economy and that she is going to have to you know, adjust her monetary policy based on what Congress and President Trump ultimately decide to do. That's what's scaring the bond markets, because what Yellen is saying is that if Congress and Trump want to step on the gas, she's going to have to tap on the brake right, to prevent you know, this thing from overheating, meaning that with unemployment already so low, any stimulus now risks making inflation too high, meaning that the Fed would have to act to rein it in, even though she still suggests that the pace of rate hikes will be slow. She's implying that that pace will pick up if need be to offset the stimulus effects of uh, tax cuts and spending increases. And that is what is rattling the credit markets. But, you know, what Janet Yellen or nobody else seems to understand is that any significant rise in long-term interest rates will crush this bubble economy, that it will be more than enough to offset the stimulus effect of tax cuts or higher spending because increased interest rates will hit the economy harder than will the relief supplied by the tax cuts or the spending increase. In fact, if interest rates go up, the big spending increases are going to be on interest rates. People are going to have to spend more money paying interest on the debts that we've already accumulated. The drag from a monetary tightening will be much stronger than any kind of boost we get from the so-called fiscal stimulus. But the markets, again, are oblivious to this. I have a feeling that this is not just denial, but probably a massive short squeeze. A lot of people were probably short this market, and I think a lot of the buying is probably coming from short covering That also might be happening with the dollar. This could really be a blow-off top in the dollar index, which is now at new 14-year highs. Dollar index now above 100. And as everybody is so sure that the Fed is going to be tightening. But meanwhile, look at what's happening. Mortgage interest rates have spiked up maybe 40, 50 basis points in the last week. But this is just the beginning. I think we're now back at about 4%. We were down at around 3.25, 3.4%. Now about 4% on a 30-year fixed. I wouldn't be surprised if the Fed continues to talk as if it's going to be raising rates. I wouldn't be surprised to see bond yields really spiking. I mean, maybe the 30-year can go from 3 to 4%, in which case mortgage rates could be back at 5% or higher by the end of the year. Now, if mortgage rates go up to 5%, which is still low based on historic norms, but Based on how inflated real estate prices are, Americans cannot afford to buy houses if that's where the mortgage rates are. So what has to happen? Well, prices have to come down substantially so that Americans don't have to borrow as much money to buy the houses because the interest rates will be higher. But the problem is if housing prices go down, a lot of Americans that are trying to sell their houses will no longer have any home equity. And once you have no home equity, you don't sell your house. You just stop making your mortgage payments and you live there rent free until they end up kicking you out, which is part of the problem. You know, the banks are rallying on the steepening of the yield curve. Everybody thinks this is great. Yeah, the banks can now borrow money cheap 
from the Fed and they can lend out higher now as the yield curve is steepening. Yeah, but the problem is they're not going to be able to loan more money at higher rates because the borrowers can't afford to pay the higher rates. And not only that, if the collateral goes down, if real estate prices go down, they're not going to get paid on the loans they've already made. So this is going to be terrible for lenders when the value of their collateral plunges. In fact, look at how much is already being lost on the value of bonds that are in bank portfolios or certainly at the Federal Reserve. Look at what would happen if the Fed had to try to unload some of the treasuries that it owns right now, given the big drop that we've seen in bond price. But this is just getting started. I mean, this is going to be a bloodbath. And look around the world, foreign central banks now that were loading up on U.S. treasuries when their currencies were strengthening against the dollar. Well, now that their currencies are weakening against the dollar, they no longer need all these treasuries and they want to unload them while they still have a profit because if the Fed's going to be raising interest rates, then the value of these long-term bonds is going to collapse. So all these foreign central banks want to sell now while they can still take a profit on the bonds. And of course, they have a profit on the currency because now they can sell those appreciated dollars and buy back their own currencies. So you've got foreign central banks all around the world uh, selling U.S. treasuries. How high are interest rates going to go? And of course, you know, every time the Fed has talked about a rate hike, what's always happened between the time they talked about it and the time they did it is the markets would tank and then they would call off the hike as if they were ever going to do it. Well, now it's the bond market that's tanking rather than the stock market. And I would think the bond market collapsing worries the Fed more than the stock market collapsing because now it's not just the wealth effect, but it's the means to sustain the bubble. But also, how much longer can the stock market ignore the carnage in the bond market? It's possible that before the Fed meets, we're going to see a massive reversal in the stock market rally, and it could turn into a stock market crash as the market embraces not only for a rate hike in December, but for many more rate hikes in 2016 as the Fed tries to offset the stimulus of tax cuts and spending hikes. You know, meanwhile, the market is still overreacting to this idea that, you know, this Trump revolution is such a game changer in that we're going to have massive deregulation, all these business-friendly tax cuts that are going to create this boom. First of all, even if we were going to do that, we still have to deal with the problems that exist that have been built up as a result of decades of bad monetary and fiscal policy that have left us in this giant rat hole. You know, as I said, uh, I think in my last podcast, just acknowledging that you've got a drinking problem or a drug problem doesn't mean that you solved it. You first have to kick the habit. You first have to check in the rehab and go through the withdrawals before you can, you know, get your life back together and repair the damage you did while you were a drug addict. Maybe you wrecked your family, you wrecked your business, and that's what we've done. And I said, you know, Donald Trump thinks, you know, he bought this car and it's all shiny on the outside, but, you know, he looks under the hood when he becomes president, he realizes, you know, what a clunker this thing is. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. We just can't go speeding off into the sunset. But people actually want to assume that, oh, this is perfect, that there's no there's no sins that we need to atone to. We just, you know, we just go straight to economic heaven. That is not going to happen. But even Trump himself, right, is already backtracking from a lot of the things he was talking about. Remember, he said, you know, I'm going to drain the swamp. Well, look at all the people that are the, you know, front runners 
for these cabinet positions. They're all the people that have been swimming in the swamp. You know, now Mitt Romney, right? They, he wants to be, they're talking about him, Secretary of State. Now, I don't know if that's a rumor, but he's got a lot of other establishment people that seem to be filling up the cabinet, as well as people who were large donors to the various uh, PACs that might have been helping his campaign. But, I mean, look at the stuff that he said about Obamacare, right? He was, you know, let's get rid of Obamacare. But now he's talking about, well, you know, we want to keep the, uh, the, the provision that says that insurance companies can't discriminate based on pre-existing conditions. Well, how could you keep that? I mean, th- that's the whole cornerstone of Obamacare because that's why you have to have the mandate. That's why you have the tax penalties. Because if you're going to say that insurance companies can't discriminate based on pre-existing conditions, then you have to mandate that everybody buy insurance. Otherwise, they won't do it. And of course, the problem with Obamacare, as the Supreme Court correctly pointed out, is the penalties are too low. People aren't buying it anyway. They'd rather pay the penalty than buy the overpriced insurance. So if Donald Trump wants to keep uh, that popular provision, then he's got to keep the rest of it. You've got to force people to buy insurance. In fact, you've got to make it more expensive for them not to buy insurance if you're going to make this kind of thing work. But, you know, he still doesn't want to level with people and tell them the truth. You know, Donald Trump is still trying to be popular. You know, he's still talking about, hey, I'm going to cut everybody's taxes. Right. Well, whose benefits is he going to cut? If you're going to cut taxes, that means the government has less money. So if the government has less money, they can't make as many payments that they promised. So who's going to give up something? He's not talking about anybody giving anything up. No one's going to get fired. Uh, you know, no one's going to have their benefits cut. So he's trying to be all things to all people, even keeping this popular part of the Obamacare. You know, look, it's like saying, hey, why can't you buy life insurance on your spouse after they die? I mean, you, you know, you got guys that are paying life insurance every month, these premiums, because if they die, they're worried about how their wife and kids are going to support themselves. But, you know, they're probably not going to die. So why waste your money on life insurance if you're probably not going to die? Just make it so life insurance companies can't discriminate based on pre-existing conditions. And then if you die, then the surviving spouse can go and buy the insurance on you after the fact. Of course, at that point, they'll just want, give me a billion dollars worth of insurance, right? Oh, by the way, you know, my husband's already dead. So here's where you send the check. I mean, no point in making my premium payments because, you know, he's already died. So I just want to collect the death benefit, right? Insurance doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way in life insurance. And it doesn't work that way in health insurance. But so far to me, Everything seems business as usual. And, you know, even if we get some kind of uh, spending increase and tax cuts, it's not likely to be a game changer. Meanwhile, the game can't change. You know, it was difficult enough. Think about what happened when George Bush came in and he reversed the Clinton surpluses, right? Of course, a lot of that had to do with the bursting of the NASDAQ bubble. But we had some spending increases early on in the Bush administration and some tax cuts. The dollar tanked for seven years. That's when gold went from under 300 to 1,000. All this happened during Bush where we got fiscal stimulus because in order to have that fiscal stimulus, we needed monetary stimulus. Now, of course, the monetary stimulus back then pales in comparison to the monetary stimulus we have right now. And I thought it was ironic that Janet Yellen talked about the current monetary stimulus and she basically claimed it was moderate. Like what we have right now is moderate stimulus. I mean, my God, interest rates are practically zero. The Fed is doing much more now than it did at any point 
uh, during the 1% error under Greenspan that gave us the housing bubble, and now this is moderate? Of course, maybe the Fed is only considering this moderate compared to what they've got up their sleeves, because I think what they're going to have to launch to accommodate any kind of additional fiscal stimulus is massive uh, quantitative easing. In fact, I think that's the main reason that we haven't seen fiscal stimulus in the past. It's not that you know Congress wasn't willing to do it. I'm sure that they could have got a bipartisan bill. The problem was that it's unfinanceable, that the Fed was already doing so much and it really couldn't do any more. I mean, people were thinking, well, the Fed is acting because Congress is not. Well, if Congress acted with stimulus, the Fed would have to act even greater because somebody has to buy all the bonds that the government is selling, right? If the government needs to sell not only all the bonds to finance the current deficit, but all the extra bonds to finance the larger deficit that results from the tax cuts or the spending heights and the larger deficit that results from the greater interest expense on the existing debt. So if now the government needs to borrow all this extra money, who's going to lend it to them? Not the foreign central banks. They're selling. They're actually competing. Somebody has to buy the bonds that the foreign central banks are selling. Is it mom and pop Americans? Is it like, you know, victory bonds after World War II? Not a chance. Mom and pop, they're broke. They don't have any money. And of course, Wall Street, they're not, they don't want to buy bonds. They're buying stocks. They're piling into the market at the highs. People want to dump bonds. I mean, especially if you realize how much downside risk there is in the bond market. I mean, what's the upside potential? Minimal. What's the downside risk? Talk about trying to pick up pennies in front of steamrollers. So everybody wants to get out. This, this thing could drop through the floor. Interest rates can spike like they've never spiked before. Even if the Fed isn't moving up short-term rates, long-term rates could skyrocket because that's not the Fed. That's the demand. And if the Fed's not supplying the demand, if it's just a private sector, there is no demand and bond prices will implode. And that is going to take the entire economy with it. It's going to crush the housing market. It's going to crush corporate America. It's going to crush junk bonds. It's going to ultimately crush these banks when they have to start dealing with the losses that result. What about the, the auto bubble that is just starting to pop? I mean, this is going to open up a much bigger hole in that bubble. People are underestimating the extent to which this phony recovery was based on cheap money. And you take that cheap money away and there goes that phony recovery. The whole thing implodes and it'll probably happen even before we get around to any kind of fiscal or stimulus with tax cuts or spending because all this stuff has to happen. They just don't, it doesn't happen overnight. They have to create the bills. They have to vote on them. I mean, it takes a lot of time to enact this stuff. In the meantime, higher interest rates are happening right now. The market is already marking down bonds and marking up interest rates in anticipation of what they believe is going to happen. So long before we get the stimulus of tax cuts or this infrastructure spending, we're going to get the drawdown, the sedative of higher interest rates that will deliver a shock to the credit markets and ultimately to the equity markets. And then as everything starts imploding, now the Fed has to completely change course and start talking about more quantitative easing. Meanwhile, even though the dollar is breaking out to some new highs, gold is not really breaking down. I mean, the price of gold is still holding the 1200 level, which used to be the old resistance. And so it's still holding. We're around 1217 now, despite the sell-off. And of course, as gold is dropping in terms of dollars, it is rising in terms of 
every other currency out there. So people around the world, you know, are still seeing uh, a safe haven into gold. I mean, look what's happening with the Mexican peso. You know, interest rates jumped up in Mexico as well. They're now trying to brace for uh, the impact of a Trump presidency. But even though they're raising interest rates, their currency is falling. And ultimately, I think that is what's going to happen to the dollar. Even as the Fed nudges interest rates higher, the dollar is ultimately going to fall because they're not going to be able to raise them nearly enough to restrain the inflation genie that is out of the bottle. And of course, everybody is now admitting that inflation is going to get worse uh, if we get a, a stimulus, if we get all this added infrastructure paid for with borrowed money. But inflation was already getting worse before this. Inflation was getting worse when everybody thought that Clinton was going to win and that there would be no stimulus. So inflation is really going to get out of control and it's going to be reflected in the long end of the bond market unless the Federal Reserve does another QE program. But until it does that, uh, the bonds are going to keep getting clobbered and rates are going to keep rising until the Fed reaches its breaking point. Meanwhile, as far as, you know, people who are positioned outside the dollar right now in foreign currencies or in gold. Yes, I mean, the you're going to see a continuation of this trend until reality sets in and the pendulum swings rapidly the other way. Now, how much longer can the markets ignore reality in the bond market? How much longer can we live in this fantasy land where we pretend uh, that we can do something that is impossible to be done? Again, I think this narrative is fueling itself. And a lot of times, of course, Wall Street, once something starts, they try to rationalize. I mean, all the people that think a Trump presidency is now going to be great for stocks, these are the same people who a week before he was elected said it would be horrible for stocks. So they're going to change on a dime. You know, they're going to try to justify anything that's happening. They're not looking at reality. If they were, they would have even understood why Donald Trump was probably going to win. They wouldn't, you know, this wouldn't have been such a shock. These are the people that actually thought the economy was so strong. Now, you know, they're realizing that it wasn't, but the whole basis for buying the dollar all these years was how strong the economy supposedly was. But the reality is, if the economy was that strong, then Hillary Clinton would have won. It's only because it's weak that she didn't, and it's because it's weak that the Fed's not going to be able to follow through with the rate hikes. We already have a weakening economy, and the collapse in the bond market and, and increase in long-term interest rates is kicking a weak economy in the groin. Today's financial advisors behave like pro-wrestling TV commentators. They scream that the recovery is strong, debt is manageable, inflation is low, and that the Federal Reserve has everything under control. They may be oblivious, but the danger is real. Looking beyond the media hype can open a world of broader investing ideas. Euro-Pacific Capital is a registered investment advisor that offers stock-focused wealth management services that closely follow the strategy of our founder and CEO, Peter Schiff. We concentrate on those countries that are more closely in tune with Peter's vision of how capitalism is supposed to work. And these investments are not hard to find, provided you know where to look. Isn't it time you change the channel and let Euro-Pacific put a little reality back into your portfolio? If you live in the United States and have $25,000 or more to invest, call 800-727-7922. That's 800-727-7922. Non-U.S. residents access similar strategies through Euro-Pacific Bank at europacbank.com. Euro-Pacific Capital and Euro-Pacific Bank are affiliated companies. Hi, this is Peter Schiff. And long before foreign governments were buying gold, I urged my clients to put 5 to 10% of their portfolios into physical precious metals. 
Despite gold's massive rise over the last decade, I still think that a 5 to 10% allocation to gold and silver is a smart investment decision. But buyers have to beware. Big TV gold dealers push all sorts of coins that are poor investments. Bait-and-switch deals, price protection guarantees, leveraged gold accounts. These are just a few of the sleazy tactics used to swindle inexperienced gold buyers. My gold company is different. We never offer a coin or bar unless I consider it to be a good investment. I want my customers to be educated. That's why I'm offering you a free research report exposing the biggest scams and ripoffs in the industry. Download my report, Classic Gold Scams, and how to avoid getting ripped off for free at goldscams.com. This report tells you everything you need to know about how to avoid losing thousands of dollars with scam gold dealers. It even tells you how to tell if a salesman is lying to you on the phone. This is a must-read for anyone considering a gold or silver investment. Download this free report today at goldscams.com. That's goldscams.com.